I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Moster, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome into the Important Nonsense Podcast Week 11 Recap Edition. I am your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Kavanaugh, and we are back once again to recap all of the NFL action from Sunday. But first, I'm not going to lie to you, friends. I've had better days. we got our first major snowfall down here in southern Ontario, Canada, and I am not one who is built for the cold. Give me all the fall weather. Give me football weather, but not this. So I'm a sad boy in the snow, except for when I get to ski once a year. Fortunately for me, though, despite the cold outside, there were 11 games of NFL action to warm my heart. And the even better news is, since that this is far and away too many games for one human to handle, I am joined by two of the brightest minds in the fantasy football industry. Of course, I am talking about the Doctor of Dynasty, the man who's always thinking five steps ahead of the rest of the fantasy football community. I am excited once again to be speaking to at Dynasty PhD. Dr. John Chancy. John, how's it going as we close out week 11? Hey, Jack. It is I, Dr. Dynasty, back again. And I'm feeling great. I'm untouchable right now. My Sooners won Bedlam against Oklahoma State. Boo Cowboys by a very comfortable margin. Uh, Liverpool beat Leicester today, this, or this afternoon, I should say. Uh, the American Thanksgiving holiday is right around the corner. So there's a lot of good food on the horizon. I'm about to talk some football with some of the best and brightest minds in the industry. Who's got it better than me? Nobody. And be sure to follow John on Twitter at DynastyPhD and on Instagram at Scouser underscore from underscore OKC for all your Dynasty needs and for some brilliant takes as well. Of course, John is not my only brilliant co-host because joining me once again is the defensive mastermind, the important nonsense IDP MVP. It's at the real NWB. It's me, Wallace Bruce. Me, my friend, how are you as we, how are we feeling as we look back on another beautiful week of NFL football? I'm good, Captain Jack. And I know that the doc is loving life after the Sooners boomed OSU in Bedlam. Um, there was a bit of Bedlam in today's games, which we'll get into, no doubt. I, I know we don't talk about college much on here, but I have a solution for the playoff decision. If you lose a game for the season, you're out. End of discussion. That's it. Because we have a situation where BYU could go undefeated and they'll still get gypped by committee. Anyway, shout out to the good people at UCF, by the way. Oh, I am all here for that. My personal preference is an eight-team playoff. We get the five uh, conference champions from the Power Five. We get the best team in the group of five. And then two wild cards. And then everyone wins. No one's complaining. But that's a conversation for another time. And I'm sure we'll talk a lot more college ball throughout the offseason as we prep for the 2021 draft. So be sure to follow me on Instagram at the real NWB for thoughts on college football, fantasy football, IDP sports, and the world in general from a dazzling mind. And be sure to check out all the work that John, me, myself, and all the other important nonsensers put up on the daily on importantnonsense.com and on all the socials at nonsenseff. And with that, let's get to the show. And as anyone who's listened to the show in the past knows, my contract states that I am the boss, which means I'm in charge of the show sheet. I get to pick the first game. 
And so, of course, we must get this over with early. We're going to quickly skim through the fact that the Baltimore Ravens continue to break my heart as they fall in overtime to the Tennessee Titans, 30-24, to and move to 6-4 and on the season. The last time the Ravens and Titans met in the AFC playoffs, Derrick Henry ran for 195 yards, 30 carries, 28-12 victory. And I called it on the Friday show that the Ravens weren't ready for Henry, and I was right. The Ravens' mortal enemy finishes with 28 carries, 133 yards, and the game-winning TD, a breakaway touchdown run in overtime. You hate to see it. And Ryan Tannehill, you know, he does what he needs to as well, complete 71% of his passes and 257 yards, two touchdowns, also has an interception. But it's just one – of course, one of those touchdowns goes to Jonu Smith. Just a lock to find the end zone every given week. Only four for 20, though, on the day, four receptions, 20 yards. But the TD, so it's still a win at tight end because you can't ask for much more than that. Other score goes to A.J. Brown, of course. He catches 4-7 for 62 and the tug. But annoyingly enough, it's Corey Davis who leads the way. He goes for 113 yards on five grabs. And it's truly amazing, isn't it? Corey Davis is just going to get so overpaid in free agency. And I'm going to laugh my way to just Ravens lost. Yeah, and I know you don't I know you're not gonna love to hear this, Jack, but I think this loss really hurts the Ravens because it makes their margin of error in terms of making the playoffs that much slimmer. They do have a light schedule over their last six. They get the Jags, Giants, Bengals, and Cowboys over that stretch. Um, and which I think that probably gets into 10 wins, but they still have to play Pittsburgh and they still have to play Cleveland. And I think they may need to win one of those two games to feel make the comfortable to feel comfortable enough about making the playoffs just because how competitive the AFC is uh, this year. But uh, yeah, what a stunner because the Ravens had felt like they were in control for most of the game, but um, we're just not able to pull this one out. Uh, I, I did not want to hear that, John, and I don't want to hear what's coming because Lamar Jackson was so heavily cri criticized last year when they lost to the Titans in the playoffs for his inability to win. But those people missed out. He had 365 yards passing, 143 yards rushing. He had 508 total yards in that playoff loss. In this one, he completes just 58.6% of his 29 attempts, only 186 yards passing, only 51 yards rushing on 13 carries. So just a 237 yards total from Lamar Jackson. I don't know how this is going to go. This is going to be awful. The media is going to just be all over him. He does have a beautiful touchdown pass to Mark Andrews. He dominates on his way to five grabs, 96 yards, and the tud. But that was really it from the offense. Des Bryant, he's second on the team with four grabs. He gets 28 yards on five targets. Willie Sneed, the third option, three for 23 on seven targets. Hollywood Brown, on the other hand, though, he goes for a goose egg on three targets. And this is just not great from the Ravens' offense. Really frustrating, really disappointing. There is one ray of light for the Ravens, though, and it's J.K. Dobbins' feature. Back, carries the ball 15 times for 70 yards, two grabs for 15, all told, 17 touches, 85 yards, and an octopus. Dobbins runs it in for a goal line TD, gets the reception on the two-point play, converts it for eight points on the scoreboard, and eight points in fantasy football. He ends the day with 17 touches. Edwards, just three carries for six yards. Ingram just two for two yards and no sign of Justice Hill. So we may be looking at the J.K. Dobbins show and we can only hope. We can only hope indeed for your sake, especially Jack. The Ravens took an L today and we were all witnesses. In fact, if you look at the way that Derek Henry runs it in for the winning touchdown in overtime, he actually runs the shape of an L. Anyway, I'm going to ease off you now, Jack, because it's probably painful. Hey. My 49ers took the L this week, and they're on bye. The bye week's undefeated. Jokes aside, the um, IDP MVP for this game is Titans linebacker Harold Landry. He had seven tackles in total, 
one tackle for loss from that, one sack, and one quarterback hit. So he had Lamar Jackson's number a couple of times on the day. Yeah, I am sad, and I'm just so glad we can move on from this one. So we'll move on from one battle of the AFC North versus the AFC South to another as the Pittsburgh Steelers headed down to Jacksonville to take on the Jags. Gardner Minshew once again inactive, so we were treated once again to Jake shooting Luton, although I think they may turn back to Gardner when he's healthy after this one. Luton completely looked like a fish out of water. Jags fall 23-7 to to the Steelers. So he completes just 42 per sorry, 43.2% of his 37 attempts. So he's gone from 68.4 against the Texans to 51.4 against the Packers to this below 50%. Only 151 yards passing and most devastatingly four interceptions. And so because Luton was so bad, the receivers do nothing at all. Chark just four grabs for 41 yards on eight targets. Heel and Cole two for 26. Tyler Eifert two for 32. Although we can be proud of our man, the next Arian Foster, the UDFA superstar, James Robinson, with zero threat from Luton in the passing game. Robinson still managed to average 4.3 yards carry on 17 totes, adds two grabs for 21 yards, finishes the day with 94 yards from scrimmage, and he's going to look so majestic next year playing next to Justin Fields. No kidding, Jack. I take back every nice thing I ever said about Luton. Um, and I love Gardner Minshew. I've got Minshew mania myself. I, I need to get, you know, uh, to get tested to make sure I still got Minshew mania. He's a great story. But this team, I think, yet again, is going to be in the QB market. Um, they haven't had a QB. I mean, you know, since I can recall, maybe going back to David Garrard, uh, the Jags have a brutal schedule in their last six game. Every team on their schedule is above 500 at this point of the season. The best thing that could happen to them is just to lose out for the rest of the season. Um, they have a lot of talent in terms of fantasy-relevant positions. DJ Chark, you have LaVisca Chanel, we have Robinson. Um, they need a player like Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence or Trey Lance, perhaps, um, to maximize the value. I just don't think you can really trust anyone on this team from a fantasy standpoint except for James Robinson week to week. Uh, it's just, it's just so, so much of a crapshoot at quarterback right now. Ben Roethlisberger surprisingly throws the ball 46 times. He completes a very nice 69.6% of them, 267 yards and two touchdowns. Did have a pick, of course, because it's Big Ben. And of course, though, one of those touchdowns went to Chase Claypool. And now the rookie, Mapletron, has 10 TDs in just nine games. Just absolutely magnificent. Claypool tied for the leading targets among wide receivers in 27 with 27 the past two weeks. He gets eight targets today, but it's Deontay Johnson who dominates instead. 16 targets. 12 grabs, 111 yards. Just beautiful day from Johnson, which means we got a tragically disappointing day from Juju Smith-Schuster. He ends up fifth on the team with 19 yards, just four receptions. He's behind Ebron, four, for set, four of seven targets for 60, 36 yards and a score. And even Ray Ray McLeod catches four balls for 20 yards. Where do we think Juju will go in the offseason? Because he's not coming back to Pittsburgh with this performance. Yeah, and I hope not, and I think fantasy players should hope not as well. If you really want to see Juju uh, maximize his value, I think a place like a landing place like New England uh, makes a lot of sense. They're going to have a ton of cap room, and I think they will have a clear need for playmakers at wide receiver. Um, now, who they'll have throwing him the ball will be a whole other question, though, but uh, New England would be my bet as far as the, the favorite at this point. Well, I'm going to stay in the AFC East, and I'm going to go with the New York Football Jets. I think the Jets can do with another wide receiver to f support whoever their new quarterback is next year. Um, on the other side of Denzel, Mim 
Denzel Mims, obviously. So they, they also have cap space so they can splash some cash. And the market is big in New York. It's a place where you can get endorsements. Look at OBJ when he was at the Giants. He had um, endorsements coming out of his ears. So Juju is definitely a marketable kind of player. Mm-hmm. And I think if he, if he goes there, it'll be good for him, good for the Jets. I would sneakily like him to go to the 49ers, but I can't always get what I want. Yeah, well, the 49ers is just a total homer pick, but I do understand it. I do support it. But I also wonder where James Conner is going to go because they're not re-signing him either. Pretty, like, solid day. 13 carries, three receptions, 99 yards. But he still loses seven carries to Benny Snell, and Snell's the one who ends up with the rushing score as well, but only 15 yards on those seven carries. Before we move off of the Steelers, I think it's important that we at least give the we, we give light to the conversation of the Steelers possibly going 16-0. and 0. They've got the Ravens and the D.C. Rivera's at home. They go to Buffalo, to Cincinnati, Colts at home, at the Browns. Looks like there's some losable games there, but I think it's a very realistic possibility. Uh, we're looking at the Steelers being undefeated, maybe going into that last game of the season perhaps. Uh, and I could possibly see them resting starters against the Browns that they don't need to uh, for any sort of playoff position. But I think it's on the table at least. I don't want to hear that, John. I don't want that to be on the table. <laughs> oh, we gotta have, we gotta root for something given twenty twenty, something exciting. Right, we're gonna have some good news in twenty twenty. And the Steelers going sixteen and zero is definitely on the cards. Their defense is immense, and that's why they are where they are now. It's not just. The fact they can get into the end zone with Claypool and James Conner racking up the yards. It's also the defense. They get stops. They they harass the quarterback, as Jake Luton found out today. And the defensive player of the year will be a Steeler. And his name's going to be TJ Watt. They're not going to do him over like they did last year when the award was given to Stephon Gilmore. But that's a story for another day. The IDP MVP for this game is Minka Fitzpatrick. The new Fitzmagic, if you will. He had five total tackles, two interceptions two passes defended, and he turned those interceptions into about 37 return yards. So he was effectively Jake Luton's uh, third best target. I think Jake Luton was just a victim of running into the Steelers' defense as as he was against the Green Bay Packers' defense. Um, he's a decent quarterback, but just tough defenses. They They wrap you up and they... They ring you like a sponge. And that's what happened to Jake Luton today. Anyway, congratulations to the Steelers. We'll stick in the AFC North with the Cleveland Browns, where the weather was once again disgusting. But of course, that does favor the Browns and their dominant run game. They get the 22-17 victory over the Philadelphia Eagles. So the weather was clearly an advantage. Miles Sanders, he fumbled early in the game inside the five. He ends the day with 19 touches, including three receptions for 81 yards. So we can't totally blame Sanders for this. Because the Eagles just can't stop shooting themselves in the foot. Carson Wentz, he was Carson Wentz, of course. He goes 4 for 4 to start the game, so he's perfect in the rain, mind you. And then he throws a pick six to second-year linebacker out of BYU, CEO and Talkie Talkie. And keep in mind, at that point, but going into the game, Wentz already led the league in interceptions. Also takes safety in the, the late in the third quarter, put the Browns up 12-7. to seven. Ends up the day, 60% of his 35 attempts complete, only 235 yards, throws two interceptions and two touchdowns. Carson Wentz is struggling hard. Struggling is putting it lightly, Jack. Um, Last week, there were some reports coming out of Philadelphia that, quote-unquote, Wentz is broken, and I think that actually might be the case. He really does look washed this season, and I don't necessarily mean 
for good. But this season, I mean, we can call it good on Carson Wentz. I really think it's time for the Eagles to see what they have in terms of Jalen Hurts. Uh, because they can still win the NFC East, which is crazy to say. Uh, Wentz really hasn't been good since his near MVP run in 2017. If we look at his completion percentage, it's at an all-time low at 58.5%, and his interception percentage is at an all-time high at 3.5%. It's brutal this year. He's just not the same player since Frank Reich uh, has left this team, and I don't think this team is either, so... Um, I, you know, I don't know what they do for the rest of the year, but they, if they want to have any chance to win this division, might be time to make a switch. And Wentz's struggles were not apparent with the tight ends, at least. Dallas Goddard, he leads the team with five grabs for 77 yards and a score. The other touchdown goes to Richard Rodgers, who ends up with two grabs for 48 and the tud. What wasn't so good, though, for the receivers, Travis Fulgham, he gets one of just seven targets complete for an eight-yard reception. Jalen Rager, he manages to snag four of five for 52 yards. Podcast favorite, Boston Scott, he pops in for three grabs, 26 yards, five rushes for 24. So he ends the day with a solid 50, but just ugliness from this Philadelphia Eagles offense. And on the Browns side of things, Baker, he continues to be kind of an enigma. Like, he does continue to get wins, and he doesn't have to do much. And he looks bad when he does have to do anything. The little he is asked to do doesn't look so good. So he completes only 22 of his passes, just 54.5% of them for 204 yards. No touchdowns, no picks, and he fumbles twice. One of them he loses. So this line remains constant. Because of the quiet day from Baker, we got nothing from his pass catchers. Each and every week, I feel like I'm saying that. Jarvis, two for 23 on two targets. Austin Hooper, three for 33 on five. Rashard Higgins, he goes three for 65. That's pretty solid. And then Kaderil Hodge, he's shockingly enough, leads the way seven yard, 73 yards on three grabs. And Baker's struggles did seem to force Kareem Hunt to struggle as well. Average is just 0.8 yards a carry on 13 attempts, only one reception for 10 yards, but he gets the goal line touchdown to save his day. Poor Nick Chubb, he really deserved that touchdown because he put the Browns on his back. He carried this offense. 20 carries, 114 yards, that's 5.7 a pop, despite no threat from the passing game whatsoever. Next year, if they have like a functional offense and a real quarterback, Nick Chubb is going to have a Dalvin Cook-type season. Mark my words. Maybe Nick Chubb should have scored the touchdown last week when he had the chance. I'm not bitter. Maybe a little bit bitter. Anyway, um, the IDP MVP for this game is defensive end Olivier Vernon. Now, he came in, he was the guy, because Miles Garrett is unfortunately on the COVID IR list, and we wish him a speedy recovery. But Vernon, he's going to probably be the highest scoring IDP for the week. He had five total tackles, one safety, which you don't see it very often, three tackles for loss, three sacks, three quarterback hits, and a pass defended. So he was very busy going after Mr. Wentz in the Cleveland uh, game today. In our final AFC North matchup, we get to see the first overall pick, Joe Burrow, faced off with the second overall pick, Chase Young. Young got the advantage early with a big hit and forced a fumble as Burrow tried to scramble for a touchdown. And then in the second half, unfortunately, Burrow took a massive hit, was carted off grabbing his left knee. He reportedly is feared to have torn his ACL. He'll get an MRI tomorrow to confirm. Our thoughts are with the former number one overall pick, and we hope for his speedy recovery. So Burrow finishes the day, 64.7% completion rate on 34 attempts, 203 yards, and a touchdown pass to A.J. Green of all people. So shocking there. And then Burrow gets replaced by last year's fourth-round pick out of NC State, Ryan Finley. Just three of ten, com or completes just three of ten passes, 
and throws a pick. He is just not good at all. Cincinnati loses 20-9. to Bengals won't compete in another game without Burrow. I, seriously, his swagger was the only thing that kept this team going and kept them competitive. They're going to be terrible now. I'm not playing any of these guys going forward. Yeah, Jack. I mean, this this completely changes the landscape of this team um, and so many levels of fantasy standpoint. You're right. You really can't play any of your Bengals uh, at this point, or you can't trust them, I would say. Uh, and I think as far as watchability, the Bengals go from maybe being one of the most watchable teams to now being um, unwatchable completely. And what's really sad is, you know, this, this season has just been uh, marked by a lot of injuries. But I think this one, uh, the injury to Burrow, is probably the most devastating just in terms of the impact uh, for the team and just for football in general. Burrow's dynasty value, I think, is going to be fine. You really have to hope, though, that the Bengals can build a competent offensive line to keep him safe and keep him upright next season and going forward. I really think it's the same thing as if, if you were to buy a Ferrari – you would still make sure you change the oil. Uh, it's just common sense. You don't, you know, you just don't skip on the oil changes when you have a, a high power machine like that. Burrow's injury is going to kill the value of the fantasy players and the Bengals for 2020, and that's just a shame because that chemistry between players like Burrow and Higgins was really getting spicy. But I think we're just going to have to wait till 2021 uh, to see where it goes from there. So Tyler Boyd leads the way doing his thing out of the slot. Nine grabs for 85 yards on 11 targets. T. Higgins, he draws 10 targets, which we did love. Only catches three for 26, though, which is disappointing. A.J. Green, not much better. He catches four of nine targets, 41, but does have the touchdown we talked about. And Giovanni, he continues to seed work to Samaje Pirine, who outgained him on the ground. So Pirine has five carries, 19 yards. Giovanni Bernard has nine runs for 19 yards, or for 18 yards, one less than Pirine. Thankfully, Geo adds four grabs for 37 yards, ends the day with 55, but he's still very disappointed to all of us. All the Bengals are now worthless. We can't trust any of them with Ryan Finley under center. It does look like, though, we might be able to trust Washington. Alex Smith continues his comeback tour, easily has the Comeback Player of the Year award locked up. What a fantastic story. Not a great day in fantasy because they do have the lead for so long. Complete 68% of his 25 attempts, throws a tud but just 166 yards and an interception as well. The good news is the F1 McLaurin had a 50.6% of those yards, ends up with 84 yards on five grabs. Logan Thomas, he does break my heart, just six yards on two grabs. Steven Sims, he is the one who finds the end zone, three gaps, 13 yards, and the score, which great for all of my best ball teams this summer. Yay, thanks for showing up. With the lack of pass attempts, J.D. McKissick, he has a much quieter day than we've expected. Only four targets after having 28 the past two weeks. He gets three grabs, 26 yards, adds 43 on the ground, and finishes with a very nice 69 yards. Instead, though, it's the Antonio Gibson show, and rightfully so. The electric rookie out of Memphis totes the ball 16 times, 94 yards, adds a 10-yard grab as well, so he finishes the day with 104 yards and the rushing score. You absolutely love to see it, and just wait until next year when Gibson is fully unlocked as the next Christian McCaffrey by Scott Turner. Yes, yes, yes. Mr. Gibson is coming along very nicely. Unfortunately, today today's game is marked by the injury to uh, Mr. Burrow. He he came on the scene. He was the Tiger King. He he gave Cincinnati fans hope. Like the, when he was on the field, there was excitement. But now we don't know what to expect. It's, it could be very ugly. It could be a game where Cincinnati goes in, they get bashed up, and then their defense is just busy for the rest of the afternoon. So in IDP, 
there was a little bit of that on display. The IDP MVP for the day, by the way, is safety Von Bell from the Bengals. He had 13 tackles, one tackle for loss, and one pass defended. Now, my takeaway from the Burrow injury is this. Because Ryan Finley is going to be out there, um, and the offensive line is the way it is, we need to be starting out defensive ends and our edge rushes against the Bengals even more so than before. Also, we want to be starting our Bengals linebackers and safeties, like Von Bell, because they're going to be busy tackling. They're going to be like the Jets now for the rest of the season going forward. Wise words, as always, from Nee Wallace Bruce. And with that, with the sadness of Joe Burrow's injury, we're going to take a break. I need some tea. So we'll kick it over to our boss at Nonsense underscore Steve, Steve Bonham, and a word from our sponsors. And we are back, and we got to bear witness to the first career start of the legendary special teamer Taysom Hill as he tries to make it work as a QB. Saints' defense is completely smothering. Taysom gets it done. The Saints win 24-9. Taysom completes 78.3% of his attempts, 233 yards, and he runs it 10 times, 51 yards, and two touchdowns. Ends up with 24.42 fantasy points. That was the QB2 of the 1 o'clock slate. I didn't have time to check for the second half of the day. But then he also ends up as the tight end one for all the ESPNers out there with a 3.82 lead ahead of Mark Andrews. So that was absolutely beautiful. And the return of Taysom, or sorry, and Taysom Hill's start meant we saw the return of Michael Thomas. Nine grabs on 12 targets, 104 yards, which was his first 100-yard game of the season. We also saw Emmanuel Sanders mix in there for 66 yards on four grabs. But the problem for fantasy gamers, Colin Kamara got a zero in the passing game. Still, he had 45 yards and a touchdown on 13 carries, but it's not what you're used to seeing if you've been rolling with Kamara. I, I don't think we should worry too much about this. I think they just took it easy on him because he has that sore foot and they were in such a lead and were blowing them out. Latavius Murray, he mixes in 14 touches, including two receptions for 85 yards. Jack, I think I might always remember where I was when the Saints announced that Jameis wasn't going to be the starter. I was just so devastated. You know, can we just pour one out for Jameis as the Saints starting quarterback? But hey, good for Taysom Hill because uh, that was a lot of fun and uh, he actually looked pretty good today. Uh, and this feels like we might be witnessing another Colin Kaepernick, Alex Smith situation with Drew Brees and Taysom Hill. Um, I just wonder if there's any chance that the Saints will stick with Hill even when Breeze is healthy to come back. Um, he really can push the ball down the field, I think, better than Drew Breeze can at this point of his career. His 10.1 yards per, per completion compared to Drew Breeze's 7.4 clearly shows that. He also adds another layer to that offense with his ability uh, to move the move the ball uh, on the ground and his mobility, I think just will add another layer that defenses have to worry about. And I think it makes the Saints a more dangerous team. Um, so I just wonder if the Saints are, are going to have the uh, fortitude uh, to be able to pull that trigger if that's what they need to do. I can't see it happening personally, but that's just because of the respect that Breeze has built up. But you never know. And you would think that Matt Ryan would play better than a 31-year-old QB making his first NFL start, but you would be wrong because Ryan completes just 51.4% of his 37 attempts, 232 yards, zero scores, and two interceptions. So it's really tough to imagine the Falcons sticking with Ryan after this year. They need a full rebuild. They are a bad football team. And I know Kyle Shanahan said earlier this week that Jimmy Gorgeous is their guy for 2021. I said this on the Friday show, is he going to look like a cartoon wolf with the hard eyes popping out of his head once he hears that Matt Ryan is available? 
Yes, I can see that happening, Jack. I mean, John Lynch from the 49ers is a very astute general manager. He will do the right deal to get Kyle his guys. And if that means getting Matt Ryan, he'll do it. This is why we've seen the likes of Tevin Coleman, Mohamed Sanu, John, John Reed, and other guys follow Shanahan to the bay because they understand his scheme and Shanahan gets the best out of them in return. So Matty has to feel right at home in the wine and gold. And with George Kittle available to catch his passes, what more do you want? Also, if the Niners can get OBJ or Julio Jones as well, I would, quite frankly, I'd lose it. I'd lose my brain. No cap. And Julio Jones left the game after two grabs for 39 yards. So Calvin Ridley ends up leading the way on Ryan's disappointing day. He hits nine targets, catches five of them for 90 yards. Russell Gage comes out as the wide receiver, too, with 12 targets, seven grabs, and 58 yards. For real, Amadeus is a key, though. He deserves it. Caught his only target for 10 yards on a first down. What more do you want from the guy? And of course, the Falcons being down as much as they were, we were spared from seeing much Todd Gurley. He gets eight carries, one reception, only 29 yards. Brian Hill chips in for four carries and 18. Yes, indeed. And he, the running game was slowed down by the game script and also by the New Orleans Saints. The IDP MVP for this game is def defensive tackle David Onyemata. He is picking up the slack where uh, Sheldon Rankins left off because Rankins is currently on IR with an injury. So if you need a defensive tackle, I would take a very strong look at Onyemata because he had a sack last week. And this week, he has three tackles, two tackles for loss, two sacks, and two quarterback hits. So he's very productive as a defensive tackle. It was initially reported on Sunday that the Panthers were going to dress all three quarterbacks and start Teddy Bridgewater, although the lie detector determined that was a lie. The Panthers wisely sat Teddy and gave the start to XFL MVP Philip P.J. Walker over last year's third-round pick from West Virginia, Will Greer. Detroit defense couldn't stop Walker even with two picks. He completes 70.6% of his passes, 258 yards, and a touchdown pass to Curtis Samuel. And the Panthers get the win 20 to nothing. So Robbie Anderson ends today with seven grabs for 46 yards. Curtis Samuel, eight grabs for 80 in the aforementioned touchdown. And DJ Moore leads the way with seven grabs for 127 yards. Adds a 21-yard carry. Ends up with 148 from scrimmage. A big day for Mr. Moore. But also, the Walker to Anderson connection should not be understated, folks. Because those two started at Temple. And the connection was rebooted by Matt Rule in Carolina today. So, with Carolina getting the bye in Week 13... Walker to Anderson could be a, a thing once again in week 12. Keep that in mind when you're looking at your decisions in week 12. That's a really good point to bring up, Nee, but I kind of want to go back and just touch on DJ Moore for just a sec because I think there were some concerns midway through the season uh, about his value both redraft and maybe even perhaps in Dynasty with the addition of Anderson. But um, DJ Moore is having overall a pretty good season, maybe slightly down from last year, but he's really starting to play uh, his best football at the right time, especially for fantasy players. And I don't think it really matters who the quarterback is for DJ Moore either. He did it last year. He showed up last year with Kyle Allen and Will Greer and a little bit of Cam Newton. He's heating up this year with Teddy. He's heating up with PJ. It doesn't matter. But really my point is, please don't sell your DJ Moore stock just yet. He's too young and too good. Uh, and he's he's just going to get unleashed more and more, I think, with this offense as they begin to click. 
Mike Davis disappoints in his efficiency, only averages 3.4 yards a carry, only two receptions, but he still ends up with 79 yards and a rushing score. So it's a solid day from CMC's handcuff, although they did give someone called Rodney Smith eight carries, ends up with 29 yards for no reason. However, on the other side of the ball, Matthew Stafford, he was questionable entering the game with torn ligaments in his throwing thumb. He does make the start. Lions may have well have sat him for all the good it did the team. Managed zero points on the scoreboard. Fire Patricia. Fire Bob Quinn. Hire Brian Dable from Buffalo. Stafford ends up 54% of his completions were or passes were complete. 178 scoreless yards. The only positive was TJ Hawkinson leads the way with seven targets, four grabs, and 68 yards. Continues to establish himself as the next big thing at tight end. But just the rest of the offense, Marvin Jones, four for 51. Marvin Hall, three t- catches for 16 yards. Just a complete misuse of his skill set. And in the backfield, it's a complete split, and it stunk. Seven carries, 18 yards from Adrian Peterson. Six carries for 17 yards from Carryon Johnson. Adds 21 yards on two grabs. The Lions' offense is just complete garbage without Galladay and without Swift. Yeah, and the Carolina defense looks very good. And the IDP MVP for this game is defensive end Brian Burns. Mr. Burns, if you will, had five total tackles, including one tackle for loss, two sacks, one pass defended, and four quarterback hits. Burns is, I would say, the best kept secret as a defensive end in fantasy. And if he's available, run. Don't walk. We'll get it. We'll close out the one o'clock slate of games with the an AFC battle that I asked entering the season. You'd probably say both teams for playoff walks. Instead, the Patriots fall four to or fall to four and six, fall to the Texans twenty-seven to twenty. Houston improves to three and seven, their first win against a team who isn't the Jaguars. Watson once again tries to put the team on his back. Seventy percent of his passes are complete, three hundred forty-four yards passing, two scores, adds a touchdown on the ground, and thirty-six yards as a rusher. Just what a treat to Sean Watson is. Just get him Eric Bieniemy now. Get him some help. He deserves it. Will Fuller, he ends up first in targets, but third in yards. He catches six of, of eight targets for 80 yards. Jordan Thomas, the tight end, he shockingly goes for 83 yards on five grabs. Brandon Cooks, though, he leads the way with 85 yards on four grabs. And with Will Fuller potentially walking in free agency this offseason, Brandon Cooks is going to be extremely underrated in 2020 redraft. Keep an eye on that, but do not keep an eye on Duke Johnson. It's over. I'm sorry. They tried. 10 carries, 15 yards. Three grabs. 20 yards. So 13 touches for 35 yards. Just a waste of plays. CJ Prozice, he's the backup. He does nothing else. So just please get better soon, David Johnson. We miss you. Cam Newton, he, you know, he is really giving it his all. He's trying to be Superman. And I really won't be surprised if the Patriots bring him back in 2020. Get him some help with all the cap space they have. Restart the dynasty. But for the present, the Patriots look done. Cam was solid, and at times he was great. First 300-yard passing game since week two versus the Seahawks. Complete 65% of his 40 attempts, 365 yards, and a score. Shockingly, he only runs it three times for six yards. Instead, he's slinging it. He's airing it out. Demir Bird, who goes off. Six grabs, 132 yards. Also adds an 11-yard run. Gets a touchdown, too. Nikhil Harry, he goes off for five grabs and 41 yards for some reason. He got eight targets. I didn't really get that. Jacoby Myers, he saw three, which I really didn't get while we're feeding Nikhil Harry over Jacoby Myers. Catches all three for 38 yards. Weird usage for the Pats wide receiver one. Maybe it's why they lost, but congrats to Demir Bird on finally having a day. 
Yeah, I'm really excited because I think I'm going to write about Demir Bird tomorrow for my uh, weekly Dynasty article, not to spoil too much. But uh, unfortunately, I do think you're right, Jack, about the Patriots being done in 2020. Today against the Houston Texans, that was a must-win game. And even then, if they didn't win, it's if they had won, it still wouldn't have guaranteed them to get in the playoffs. It's just that's how bad they are uh, in the record at this point in the season. Their schedule is brutal down the stretch. They get the Cardinals, Chargers, Rams, Dolphins, and Bills uh, before they close out with the Jets in Week 17. They might be looking at a top-five draft pick in what is considered to be a loaded quarterback class. I think the Patriots should try to keep Cam but also bring in some real competition for that job. I doubt they can get Lawrence or Fields even with a top-five pick. But just imagine Bill Belichick with Trey Lance, for example, as his quarterback. Yikes. That is very exciting for me. <laughs> Knowing Belichick, you'll probably go get Kyle Trask for cheap draft capital and then turn it into the second coming of Tom Brady before eventually handing the reins to Josh McDaniel. We did, however, see the return of James White, so we can't take him off the milk carton. He actually leads the team in targets with nine, grabs six for 64 yards, adds 19 yards rushing. Definitely a bigger day from him than we expected. We also thought we were going to see a bigger day from Damian Harris after what the Browns did to the Texans last week, but he only ends up with 43 yards and 11 carries. Does find the end zone. Meanwhile, Rex Burkhead gets relegated just six touches and 12 yards. This backfield continues to be a head-scratcher, but at least we do have Harris giving us some success. Yes, Yes, indeed. And we'll probably see more Damien Harris on this line because it appears that Rex Burkhead has, in fact, torn his ACL and will, in fact, be done for the season. So it's sad to see, but we may see some more clarity in the New England backfield. Anyway, I think the MVP for this game is safety Justin Reed. He had nine tackles, one sack, three tackles for loss, and two quarterback hits. This is a guy that I wrote about last week, and if you did not read my article last week, I'll just ask yourself why not? And then make sure you're reading the article written by myself and Dr. Jesse because the win. Anyway, today was the Romeo Cornell revenge game, in case you missed it, and Cornell was the win. That's going to do it from the 1 o'clock slate of games, so we're going to take a break, hear a word from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Our friends at Monkey Knife Fight combine the fun and excitement of Vegas with DFS to make the ultimate daily fantasy prop game. That's right, and there are three ways for you to play. Stat Shootout, Rapid Fire, and more or less. Stat Shootout, you put together a two or three player team that will accumulate the most of whatever stat you've chosen to play. Touchdowns, total yards, receptions, etc. Then you choose one of three target goals for that stat. If your team exceeds your chosen goal, you'll win. And the higher the target goal, the more you win. So if I choose a three-man team for touchdowns, I can set the target at one and a half touchdowns to pay out one and a half times the entry fee. Or I can go big with a target of three and a half touchdowns to pay out 15 times the entry fee. Obviously, you gotta go big or go home. Then we've got Rapid Fire, where you select your team by choosing the highest scoring player in multiple head-to-head matchups of statistical categories, like who has more receptions this week, Julio or Devontae Adams. Each contest will tell you how many matchups you need to get right in order to win. But like we said, the higher risk, the higher the reward. Yup, I only need to get two out of three matchups right, and I win 1.5 times my entry. But then, when I go all in, and I can get five out of five, I'm looking at 15 times the payout. 
I can buy a lot of Josh Jacobs jerseys with that money. You sure can. Finally, there's more or less. Depending on the contest, you'll be given two to six players and their statistic target for that game, like Austin Eckler with over under four and a half receptions against the Raiders. You have to decide if that player is going to get more or less than that target number. Just like the others, more or less increases the payout the more risk you take. However, it offers the highest return. You can go two for two and get 1.5 times the payout, or you've got the nerve, you can attempt to go six for six and hit 30 times the payout. So many Josh Jacobs jerseys. Well, the only thing better than winning money from Monkey Knife Fight is getting money from Monkey Knife Fight for free. I do love free. Just go to Monkey Knife Fight to sign up for a free account. When you make your first deposit, use promo code NONSENSE and Monkey Knife Fight will match your deposit up to $50. This is literally playing with house money, guys. Go sign up on Monkey Knife Fight with the promo code NONSENSE and get in on the action this weekend. We are back with the overtime thriller in Indianapolis where the Colts came away with the 34-31 victory over the Green Bay Packers, putting another dent in the Aaron Rodgers MVP argument. Rodgers ends up completing 71.1% of his passes, 311 yards and three tuds. Does have an interception though, but at the same time, it's a tale as old as time, a song as old as rhyme. Aaron Rodgers hooks up with Devontae Adams for 100 yards and a score. It was beautiful to see, and we did expect to see Alan Lazard come back big in a return. However, it seems like Green Bay decided to ease him back. Just two grabs for 18 yards on four targets. Instead, it's the Marquez Valdez-Scantlin show playing second fiddle. Catches three of six for 55. Big Bob Tunyon comes in with five grabs for 44 yards and a score. And the other receiving TD goes to Jamal Williams. Lone reception for four yards. Williams adds five carries for 12 yards. Keeps Aaron Jones down to 14 touches, including three receptions, for only 71 yards, and he does have a rushing score, which isn't bad, but it isn't great. It's not what you've become expected to from Aaron Jones. Phillip Rivers, he may be washed. He may be decrepit, but he's also got the Colts at 7-3. and three. Rivers completes 66.7% of his 36 attempts, 288 yards, three touchdowns, and of course he adds an interception because Rivers can't throw multiple TDs without an interception. That just doesn't happen. Decides to spread it, decides to shred it. No receiver had more than four grabs, and seven receivers had multiple receptions. Pittman leads the way, three receptions, 66 grabs, and a score. So credit to at that FF nerd Jason Draven for the love of Michael Pittman. Zach Pascal, three for 54. T.Y. Hilton, he gets three for 36. And of course, it's Rivers, so it's the tight ends who find the end zone. Trey Burton, he gets two grabs, 25 yards, and a touchdown. Jack Doyle gets a six-yard reception for a touchdown. And now, you may be wondering, though, who led the way with the four receptions. You're going to be shocked when I tell you that would be Jonathan Taylor. He's alive. Four grabs for 24 yards. That sounds solid. But the man who was labeled a bust by many totals the ball 22 times, 90 yards, finishes the day with 114 from scrimmage, and we finally have life, ladies and gentlemen, because gosh dang, that was scary for a while. Sorry to everyone who started Naheem Hines. Just nine touches, three of which were receptions for 38 yards. Jack, as excited as you are about seeing Jonathan Taylor, I am I'm very excited. I think the core, I know we've got Rivers there, but the best thing the Colts could do is they're, they're one injury away from being a really good team. And I think that that injury is uh, Phillip Rivers. They need Jacoby Brissett on the field, I think. I mean, they've got a good core with Brissett. Taylor and Pittman, I think they can make some really big moves, uh, even this season and beyond, kind of building around that core. Don't forget Paris Campbell, I believe, next year as well. He's kind of in my eye, but I believe that 
ready to go. Um, Jonathan Taylor, I should point out, has a very nice fantasy playoff schedule, much like Justin Reed from the Houston Texans at safety. Anyway, um, IDP MVP for this game is linebacker from the Packers, Christian Kirksey. He followed Mike the team uh, for Cleveland. He's DC over there. He's not DC. And Kirksey knows what he wants. And he delivered today with 11 total tackles, one interception, and one pass defended. Kirksey could have also had a cover touchdown from Rivers, but it was ruled an incomplete pass. What might have been? Sam Darnold missed the game for the New York Jets versus the LA Chargers, which meant we got to see the elite Joe Flacco fling it once again. And of course it's the Chargers, so they had to let the Jets almost come back, almost win it, but ultimately they are no match for Justin Herbert, fall 34 to 28. Justin Herbert has now thrown multiple touchdowns in seven straight games. He is a lock for the Offensive Rookie of the Year with Joe Burrow out. He completes 75.5% of his 49 attempts, 363 or 66 yards, and three tuds, which of course Keenan Allen balls out when Justin Herbert balls out. Allen has 19 targets, catches 16 for 145 yards and a score. Mike Williams, he gives us a great day as well. Four grabs for 72 and a score. Hunter Henry, four grabs for 48 and a score. All that was missing was my shot call of Jalen Guyton, who catches his lone target for four yards. That was devastating. I'm sorry about that, friends. But Anthony Lynn continues to make bad decisions, so it's not my fault. He continues to feed Kalen Balazs, and he's lucky it didn't cost him this time, but just 2.8 yards of carry on 16 rushes, only 3.9 yards of reception on seven receptions. The man has a 71 yards, 3.1 yards a touch. He is just so, so terrible. Shockingly enough, though, the Jets weren't completely terrible. I, I know, it's shocking. Flacco, he only does complete 50% of his passes, has an interception, also has two touchdowns and 205 yards. Denzel Mims has the makings of a future star, catches three of eight for 71 yards. Rashad Perriman, he comes up big, two receptions, 54 and a score. Chris Herndon, he gets two grabs of 32 and a score, also had to drop that in him right in the face, so that's just Chris Herndon for you. But you'll notice I didn't say James Crowder's name, and that's because somehow he gets just three targets, one grab, 16 yards. That's so disappointing from Jameson Crowder, as is the ankle injury to LaMichael Pirine. Last week on the bye, we heard Jets were going to feature him, but he gets hurt after eight carries and 33 yards. Does have a touchdown, which is still solid for fantasy, but because he gets hurt, 15 carries from Frank Gore, 61 yards and a TD. So yay, Frank Gore. Yay, that's super exciting. Always love to see Frank Gore out there. But what's even more exciting is how... Uh... 0-16 is a very real possibility for the Jets. And, and I don't say that just because I love rooting against the Jets and their bad team, but they really do have a brutal stretch for their last six games. They have the Dolphins and Raiders at home. They go to Seattle, to L.A. They've got the Browns, and then they go to the Patriots to close, close things out. Um, they are going to be likely a touchdown or more of an underdog in all of those games. So just what an awful season for this team. It's another team that I really want no part of at this point um, in fantasy and especially maybe even dynasty until they can get some things fixed. Yeah, Mims looks fine, but really the Meadowlands are where mob bosses and football dreams go to die. Um, so I will leave you all, you two, with a question. What do you think is more likely that we see Pittsburgh go 16-0 and or the Jets go 0-16? That's 0-16. Not, not a conversation. We're not entertaining Pittsburgh. <laughs> uh, well, he's biased, so I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm actually gonna say Pittsburgh sixteen and zero is more likely because the Jets weren't terrible today. They weren't as completely awful as we've seen in the past. 
the Flacco to Perriman connection is a thing, as we saw today. I think they can sneak a win against perhaps the Browns, the Dolphins. But while the schedule is tough in real life, it's actually pretty good for fantasy, especially if you have Denzel Mims, Crowd or Perriman. So keep that in mind with the fantasy playoffs around the corner, all right? Also, the fantasy playoffs are very kind for the schedule for the Jets for the defense because, well, the offense is so bad that the defense is out there so often. And I want to point out Ashton Davis. He's a safety for New York. He's the IDP MVP for this game. And he had 12 tackles in total, one fumble recovery, and one tackle for loss. So this is a guy who started the season as a backup. He was put in free safety. And now the Jets are putting him in a strong safety. So that means close to the line of scrimmage and more tackles. And more tackles means more opportunities for big plays as well. So he's a sneaky play if you need a safety help in the fancy playoffs. So we've got another AFC East versus AFC West matchup. And shockingly in this one, the AFC West won too. So Miami Dolphins' five-game win streak comes to an end at the hand of the Denver Broncos, just like we all expected. And the most shocking part of the day was the benching of Tua Tugavaloa. Tua started hot, got a TD pass early to Devontae Parker, but then heading into the fourth quarter, completed only 11 of 20 for 83 yards. Brian Flores, he decides to make the switch. Fitzmagic comes in, goes 12 of 18, 117 yards, and then ends the game with an interception. And the game-ending interception is why they went to Tua to begin with, and it's also why Tua will start next week, as Brian Flores has stated after the game. But he also made it clear that Tua's play was unacceptable. He was benched for performance reasons, which I love from the second-year coach. Shows confidence in himself and his team. Everyone's going to be held accountable. Of course, though, with the flip-flop at QB, pretty disappointing day in fantasy. Devontae Parker leads the way with 6 for 61. And the score, Mike Gusecki, he gets 4 for 43. Jakeem Grant just 12, 2 for 12 as he's outproduced by the former Navy QB, Malcolm Perry. He catches three balls for 23. And with Miles Gaskins out, still on the shelf, Salvin Ahmed was the once again the bell cow. He gets 12 carries to 2 for Matt Breida. Also has five grabs to just one from Patrick Laird. Ahmed ends the day with 17 touches, 74 yards, which isn't what we were hoping for, but it's also still pretty solid from a UDFA and a waiver wire pickup. The Broncos get the win, but it's not thanks to Drew Locke at all. He still stinks, don't you worry, my friends. Complete 60% of his 30 attempts, 270 yards, and an interception. And because he's so bad, we get three for 37 from Jerry Judy on eight targets. We get four for 35 on six targets from KJ Hamler. Just so sad. He does get it close enough to Noah Fant for four grabs and 55 yards. Although Tim Patrick, he somehow does end up being the star because Drew Luck goes full Matt Saracen from Friday Night Lights, closes his eyes, hucks it up. Patrick ends up with five grabs for 119 yards. Drew Luck, he's... Just terrible. I'm sorry. He really is. He is bailed out by his running backs in this one. Philip Lindsay leads away with 16 carries and 82 yards. However, it is Melvin Gordon who leads away in fantasy points, 15 carries, 84 yards, and two touchdowns. I gotta say, shout out to Drew Locke for the end of the game because the, the Broncos had it in hand. They had the final possession, and I thought it was gonna kneel it out, but no. I don't know whether Elway had a bet with Dan Marino or whether they were trying to get Drew Locke in a, some sort of training in, in terms of a hurry-up offense, but Locke was throwing it around while they're in front, and the last, the last snap was a 61-yard heave to Tim Patrick. The, again, they're up by seven points, and he just throws it up for 61 yards. Drew Locke, 
fantasy managers appreciate you for that because that that is something that we we didn't ask for we didn't deserve it but we got it and after a week where nick chubb screwed us with running out of bounds of the one yard line i'll take that anyway speaking of chubb Bradley Chubb is out for the season. Von Miller is out for the season. So the IDP MVP is next man up, linebacker Malik Reed. He had six total tackles, including two tackles for loss, one and a half sacks, and three quarterback hits. In our final matchup of the Sunday slate, we saw the return of Andy Dalton from the concussion and from COVID-19. And the Dallas Cowboys were able to rally together for the 31-28 victory over the Minnesota Vikings, which somehow, at 3-7, and seven, the Dallas Cowboys are still in the playoff hunt in the NFC least. They are now tied with the Giants and Washington at 3-7. and seven. They're only a half game behind the Eagles, who lead the division at 3-6-1. None of this makes any sense. However, the good news for the Cowboys, Andy Dalton, he looks like a real QB, or at least a serviceable one. He completes 68.8% of his passes, 203 yards, and three scores. Does toss a pick as well. It is Andy Dalton. But with a functional quarterback, Amari Cooper, he gets six grabs for 81 yards. C.D. Lamb, he catches four for 34, and one of those touchdowns. Michael Gallup, yeah, you know what? He does what he always does. Remains a goat. He gets two deep balls, two receptions, 40 yards. Just what can you do from Michael Gallup? Dalton Schultz, he gets the final touchdown, four grabs for 24 yards and a score. Sorry, not the final touchdown. He gets the second one because most importantly, at least to Jerry Jones, Ezekiel Elliott, he's still here. 21 carries, 103 yards, two grabs for 11 yards, and a score. And you know Jerry Jones was smiling after this one. He's looking back fondly at the memories of the sleepover he had with Mike McCarthy all those months ago. And for good measure, Tony Pollard, he's still fantastic too. Five carries for 60 yards and a score. It is unfair. We'll never see him free behind Zeke on his rookie contract. But what can you do? And it's honestly really kind of surprising the Vikings lost this one because it wasn't just the Dalvin Cook show on offense. Cook, of course, was great, carries it 27 times, adds five receptions, 160 yards, and a rushing score. But Kirk Cousins, he's actually pretty good in this one, too. He completes 73.3% of his 30 attempts, 314 yards, three scores, two of which went to Adam Thielen. He gets 123 yards and the two scores on eight grabs. And another touchdown to Justin Jefferson, the fire rookie. He gets three receptions, 76 yards, and a touchdown. So not the outcome we expected. But at four and six, the Vikings have basically been eliminated from the playoffs. Meanwhile, at three and seven, the Cowboys still have a chance. The immortal words of the greatest Disney villain ever, Scar, life's not fair, is it? No, it is not. And the Death Star, I mean the Lone Star, uh, has a very good chance of winning the division and going to the playoffs. The IDP MVP from this game is from Big D. It is safety Donovan Wilson. He had nine total tackles, half a sack two forced fumbles, and one fumble recovery. Now let me be clear, the Dallas secondary has been very secondary this season. They've been torn apart by many a passing attack, but that means points for the safeties and cornerbacks. And Wilson's a guy you might want to take a look at, as well as Chidobia Woozy and other gentlemen in this offense, in this defense, sorry, when offenses take them on. That will wrap up our recap of the day. And at the time of recording, we currently sit at halftime of the Sunday night matchup between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Las Vegas Raiders. Andy Reid had his team coming into the building looking for revenge for the Raiders for the victory last time. They took the victory lap around the Chiefs stadium. And so far, we are locked into a thriller. Josh Jacobs, he opens the score with a rushing touchdown. Patrick Mahomes responds with a touchdown pass to Tyreek Hill. 
And then the Raiders score on the last play of the first quarter. They go up 14-7 to thanks to a 12-yard grab from Nelson Aguilar, who is back to life. He's escaped Philadelphia. And honestly, looking at 2020, maybe the Eagles were the problem and not Nelson Aguilar. I didn't say that, though. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he adds a rushing score early in the second half. We now sit at halftime with Vegas up 17-14. to So that's going to do it from us here on the Important Nonsense Podcast, Week 11 Recap Edition. And as we close out another wonderful week of wacky and wild NFL action and look forward to a Monday night football showdown between the Los Angeles Rams and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a game that, if you remembered last year, resulted in a 55-40 to victory for the Buccaneers, a combined 95 points, so potentially a lot of fantasy points in this one. So, Neat, do you have any bold predictions for the game, or do you have any parting words of knowledge to drop on all your fans listening intently on your every word? Well, Jack, I must say, my favorite Thursday of the year is upon us it's american thanksgiving and it's not because of the turkey it's because of the football and we get three iterations of it on this thursday and um we should all be grateful for football at this point because we've had quite a year um no doubt now in terms of monday night football i want to alert everyone's attention once again to josh reynolds of the rams i've talked about him before and i want you to pay attention to him because he has pushed out van jefferson as the third wide receiver in the McVeigh offense and Brady's going to make them play. Brady's going to be pushing them on the other side of the ball. The Rams are going to have to throw to keep up. Also, if you're hurting an IDP on Monday Night Football, take a swing at linebacker Micah Kaiser and cornerback Carlton Davis. Thank you for joining me, my friend. It has been a pleasure, as always, getting to hear your thoughts on yet another fantastic week of fantasy football. Myself and our listeners are better for it, so be sure to follow me on Instagram at TheRealNWB. Also better off for having gotten to listen to Dr. John Chansey as he continues to give us a peek into the future with his dynasty dynamism. John, do you have any insights into our Monday night matchup, and do you have any parting thoughts for all of our friends in the audience who have the privilege of getting to listen to you speak? Hey, thanks for the kind word, Jack. Uh, kind words, Jack. It's another Sunday slate of games. They're in the books, but hey, there's still an opportunity to make some money on Monday night. We've got the Bucks at home, four and a half point favorites against the Rams. I like the Bucks here with the four and a half points, and I think it's because of their defense. I know Nee mentioned the their offense, but I really think it's going to come down to their defense. I think they will be able to make Jared Goff's life miserable and uncomfortable for four quarters, which will be enough to stall out that offense, the high-powered offense of the Rams. Um, so I think the, the Bucks will win by more than four and a half. Uh, we also have three Turkey Day games coming up, so please make sure you check your lineups accordingly. Um, and also, on a non-football note, this is going to be a tough week for many people because of COVID-19. So I think now more than ever, it's really important to be good, be safe wear a mask and just stay at home if you aren't feeling well. I know it sucks, but, um, you know, this would be the year to sit out if you were to to miss a, a, thir- a Thanksgiving. Be sure to follow John on Twitter at DynastyPhD and on Instagram at Scouser underscore from underscore OKC for all your Dynasty takes because we should always listen to our doctors. And if you've enjoyed yourself today, go ahead and give us a five-star rating and review. And if you haven't, I apologize. Please send all your complaints to at that FF nerd and then go check out importantnonsense.com because I guarantee you will find something that you like there. So many intelligent people writing for us, putting up content on the daily. And maybe come back on Wednesday night for the Big Boss Show as at nonsense underscore Steve and at nonsense underscore Neil preview the Thursday Thanksgiving slate. 
Until then, I've been your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Kavanaugh, and it's been my honor to recap week 11 for you. And as the weather gets colder, the sunshine gets more infrequent. Make sure you're taking care of your mentals, get some fresh air, get some sunlight, and treat yourself because you deserve it. So stay safe, wear a mask, and most importantly, don't forget to keep up the nonsense. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevier. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!